Well, it's an awesome day at Carterville Baptist Church. We've got so many people that we want to honor and so many good things happen with our mission teams headed to Burkina Faso. Thank you for going to serve with everybody going out for a week of mission and ministry out there this week. Thank you. All the shoe boxes that you guys have packed so we could deploy those all around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ in them. And I just want to stop and say, you know, you guys are a fantastic church to serve with, and I thank you for that. Well, we're in the middle of a sermon series where we're talking about our story and the importance of our stories. And I've asked everybody in the church to take this challenge. I've challenged you to be able to tell your story with Jesus in two minutes or less and to be able to identify the central theme of what God's done in your life. In other words, I want you to take your big story with God and I want you to think and pray about it until, until you can get right to the very core of it. Short enough that you can write it on a small piece of paper so that you could tell it in two minutes or less. Because I want you to be able to use it this week to share it in a gospel conversation with somebody else. But if we don't focus that story, if we're not intentional and clear about it, then we're not going to be able to use it in a gospel conversation very well. Now, this exercise, this thinking, this cutting out the extra, this searching for the heart of what God's done for you, it's going to help you discover the core of what God has worked in your life. Now, one of the things that you're going to find that's interesting is that for some of you, when you reflect on the real heartbeat of what God's done in your life, it's going to be your salvation moment. You're going to go back to the day that you gave your life to Jesus. But what's remarkable is that for a lot of you, as you start to think about what God's done in your life, you realize that He saved you gloriously by His grace, but 10 years later, He did something in your life that defined your journey with Jesus. And for you, the theme of your story with God may have emerged 10 years after your salvation. Well, I want you to identify that theme and recognize what God's done so that we can share it. Now, to kind of give us some good examples, I've asked two friends to come and share. I want Abigail and Britt to come join me on the platform. And they've already written their stories out. They've already thought through what God's done in their life. And just like I asked them to, they hung them on the wires outside the sanctuary. You can read their stories anytime you want to. And as the weeks pass, you can read more and more stories of church members who have reflected on what God's done for them and have hung their stories on the wire. And I want to challenge you to get your story written out and hung on the wire so we can celebrate with you. Hey, Abigail, I would love to hear your story. Friends, this is Abigail Watkins, and I want to ask you to welcome Abigail and Brick on the stage so they feel super comfortable with me. Abigail, will you take just a second and share your story with our church family? And you'll have to hold that microphone right by your chin so they can hear you. Okay, so my story is about being saved and how it changed my life. And I remember when I got saved and became a Christian, and I've seen many of my Sunday school classmates being baptized, and I wanted to do it myself. And it... I was going to school in the car, and I just thought about it for a while, and I wanted to be saved, and then I became a Christian right then and there, and when I got baptized, I remember it was sometime in December because I just remember candles and decorations, and on that Sunday night, I got baptized, and it changed my life forever, and I had been ready to serve serve um, and 
Excellent. I can tell you that Abigail has been very eager to serve the Lord since her baptism, and I'm proud of it. Hey, Abigail, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate that. And I bet your story will be useful to lots of people that you see in school this year who need to hear about how God called you. And you gave your life to Christ right there in the car, and you made a decision that changed your life forever. Abigail, would you let Brick have an opportunity to share his? Brick Sager is uh, my intern. He's a pastoral intern here at Carterville. Some of you have probably gotten emails with Brick's name on them. Well, this is Brick. And Brick's going to share his story with you. His story is unique and wonderful, just like yours is. And I'm ready to hear it. Brick. Great. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Church family, the theme of my story is embracing Christ as my own. And I'm going to explain that to you guys. Um, My parents were called to the mission fields. They were called to East Africa when I was very young. Um, And so uh, as their child, I went with them in that. And I say something kind of unique, just as my parents were missionaries, the Lord used them as missionaries in my own life. Um, So they were the greatest missionaries to me. They were an example to me. And through them, I realized that I was a sinner and I needed Christ. Um, So at a young age, I um, became a Christian and began to follow him. What I realized is that when I got older um, and moved out of the house, I realized that I was really following my parents more than I was following Christ. So I was following them because they were my role models and my examples. They were great examples, but I realized once I got out that really I was just following them and not Christ. So when I got out of the house, I realized that I needed to come to a decision point. I needed to come to a decision point to follow just my parents or to follow Jesus as my own. Um, It was that point where I really began to grow my faith because I began to um, make the choices to follow Christ um, on my own and to study the Bible on my own. Um, And so it was at that point where um, God has just been doing some crazy things in my life. And I still have um, hang-ups and bumps along the way, but God's grace is so good. Um, And he's been able to uh, teach me and grow me, um, not just through my parents, but as my personal Lord and Savior. So that's my testimony. Fantastic. Brick's testimony is like a lot of ours. He followed his parents, inherited their faith, and came to a day when he decided it was his own. And Brick, you were in boarding school. How old were you when, that, when you made that choice? When you went to boarding school? Ninth grade. So for Brick, that was the ninth grade in a boarding school in Africa. Hey, thanks, Abigail and Brick, for sharing their stories with us. Okay, now I want you to hear a story, one of the most important stories in the New Testament. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. There's a story of a soldier named Cornelius. He was a centurion. That would be equivalent, says some of my military friends, that would be equivalent of a captain in today's military. He was boots on the ground, and he was a righteous man who feared God. But when Cornelius came to know God, it changed the the face of Christianity forever. Cornelius' salvation launched the movement into the Gentile reaches of the world. Like the, the reason that the gospel came easily and naturally to me, a non-Israelite, is because of the things that God did through people like Cornelius. So I want us to take a look at Cornelius' story. And here's the cool thing about Cornelius' story. When you read Cornelius' story, not only do you get to hear the story of this soldier, this hero that God brought to salvation, but there's another story here that is very relevant for every one of us. In Cornelius' story, you're actually going to learn a little bit too about Peter's story. And, And here's what Peter teaches me. Peter was a believer who knew God, but still had things to learn. In fact, God had to go to great lengths to convince Peter that God was doing a new thing. 
and I want to say that again. God had to go to great lengths to convince Peter that God was doing a new thing. And the lesson for me, and maybe the lesson for us, is that as believers who are following Jesus Christ, you are still growing in the Lord. No matter how strong you are in Christ, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how many years have passed since your baptism, you are still growing in Jesus. And it's remarkable to me that there are days in my life, just like in Peter's, where God has to go to great lengths to show me his next work because I'm convinced God would never do this or that. How far would God have to go to get your attention? Let me ask you this. Are you still fresh and growing? If you've been a believer forever, are you just in the rut of your traditions and routines? Or are you still open to the Holy Spirit of God when He speaks a new word into your life? And that's where I want us to be. So Acts chapter 10, let me just review this story with you. Now, the first thing you need to know about this story is that it is extremely repetitive. In fact, it gets your attention because it's so repetitive. Like the story of Cornelius' vision and Peter's response, it's repeated twice in Acts chapter 10. It's immediately repeated in Acts chapter 11 when Peter goes and tells the church about what happened. And you're reading it and you're thinking, man, I just read this. Why are they telling it again and again? And then in Acts chapter 15, when the council in Jerusalem is trying to decide if you have to be Jewish to be Christian or if we can just let you come straight to Jesus, which is what we do decided, the story pops up again. Why does this story come up over and over? And it's because God has to go to great lengths to convince me and you and folks like us that he is doing this new thing. The main lesson about God's character in this story is that his heart is bent for the whole world. No boundaries for him. He loves and offers salvation to everybody that would receive it. And he just knew that sometimes church folks get in a rut and we need to be reminded of that. And Peter did. Let's read the story. I want to introduce you first to Cornelius. All right. What you're going to find as I read about Cornelius is that he was a centurion, which means in the Roman military, he governed 75 to 80 or so folks. They used to govern 100 before his day. That's why they're called a centurion. They were a beloved member of the military, boots on the ground kind of guy. He was a leader in the Italian regiment. Maybe he was from Italy. Maybe they were transplants here. Maybe he grew up in paganism. We don't know exactly, but we know his regiment was the Italian regiment. We know that he was a God-fearing man. Probably went to the synagogue to learn about God from the Jewish teachers on Saturdays. He was very generous to those in need, and he was a man of prayer. We also know that he sends a soldier to go meet Peter, and the soldier that he sends was a devout believer. It's amazing that here we have this outsider of the faith. Not an Israelite, not a Jew, not a Christian, but a God-fearing pagan who wants to be right with God and is trying to be right with God. And on this day, God's going to use him to launch a brand new movement. Cornelius broke the the pattern for Peter and the other apostles. Up until this point, they thought God was just moving in the Jewish people. They weren't fully aware that God was moving all over the world, that you didn't have to become Jewish to be Christian. They didn't know the links to which God would go to fulfill this gospel call. They had no idea, and Cornelius broke the pattern. He was not some pagan out there living a wild life. He was a lost man who needed Christ and wanted God. And I just want to say before we dive into the sermon, on your college campus, on your high school campus, all over the the Pine Belt today, it's your workplace in Walmart, there are people around you 
who want to be close to God, they don't know how. People who want to be generous, people who are kind and good-hearted, maybe even people who fear God. And it's your witness as we try to make 25,000 connections this year, it might be your witness that opens the door of the gospel for them and brings them into God's family. They're out there. Cornelius broke the pattern. He challenged what Peter thought about the outsiders and about what God thought about them. So let's read this story, and I want to introduce you to Cornelius. Chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed regularly. Now, one day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them off to Joppa. Short story, the geographies were not too distant going from the city of Caesarea where he is to the city of Joppa where Peter is. Look how specific. He has a vision at the time of prayer while he's praying where God says, I have seen you, Cornelius, and I want you to send people and get this guy whose name specifically is Peter. He's staying specifically in the city of Joppa, specifically in a house by the sea, specifically with a man named Simon, specifically who is a tanner. This is before you could text the guy or find him on Facebook, so the Holy Spirit had to do pretty good work. I'm always encouraged when I hear stories from the mission field or from the Pine Belt or all over the world where God breaks through the clutter and pricks somebody's heart or gives them a dream, a vision, or a direct word from him, convinces a heart in a way that is no less than miraculous. Well, that's what he did. So Cornelius has a vision. Because faith comes by hearing, Paul tells us, and hearing by the Word of God. He needs to hear the clear Word of Jesus so he will know how to place his faith in God. And he needs Peter for that. So go to Joppa. So he sends these guys off to Joppa. Now the problem is Peter, though he was an amazing guy, had not embraced the mission to the Gentiles yet. He did not know that God was going to go this far outside the bounds of Israel. I love Peter. Fantastic believer. But let me show you what we know about Peter. Peter, he's still learning. (laughs) He's like you and he's like me. Now listen, he's a super apostle. I mean, Jesus told Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. Therefore, I'm telling you today, I call you Peter, rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's pretty important. Peter, super apostle. Maybe a lot like you. Sunday school teacher, deacon, baptized 25 years ago, perfect church attendance, big Bible, lots of highlighting. Maybe you are a super apostle too. I hope you are. Well, listen to this word. In this story, it's the super apostle who needs to learn and grow in Jesus. In this story, it's Peter who God has to come back to again and again and again to convince Peter that God was doing a new thing. Cornelius was easy. God told the lost guy, send somebody to Joppa. All right, they're on their way. 
headed to Joppa. It was Peter who took a minute. And I understand that because sometimes I take a minute. I think I know what God does. I, I think I know exactly how God will behave. I think I know God well enough to predict him. Well, I'm wrong about that. But I just want to remind us church folks that sometimes church folks still have growing and learning to do. So let me show you Peter's growth process. I want you to read this part with me. Peter's going to be hungry, ready for lunch, and God's going to give him a dream, a vision. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on a roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened. And something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. Well, it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on this. That sheet that contains all these animals, it would have contained animals that were unclean for Jewish people to eat. And Peter had been Jewish all his life, so he knew the dietary laws like from Leviticus. And so he's not going to eat. He's going to recognize these animals are unclean. Now keep in mind, his stomach is growling. It's lunchtime and he is hungry. He's on a roof waiting for lunch to be done. So what you need to recognize is that this vision ultimately is not about food, but because Peter's mind was on food, God used food as an illustration to teach him about people, something way more important. But, but watch the vision unfold. Right, 13. And a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill, eat. Verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, when he says anything in this verse, he means people more than food. Now, look at verse 16. This is what has my attention, verse 16. In verse 16, it says, this happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So three times the sheet comes down, have lunch. No, Lord, I'm telling you, if I get up and kill and eat. Now, by the way, that's the favorite verse in the Bible for all of our deer hunters. Get up, kill and eat. Yes, Lord. You know, we're putting that like we're crocheting that, putting it on our, on our wall. And Peter three times says, no, 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 I can't. It's all, it's unclean. And three times the Holy Spirit says to Peter, if I say it's clean, it's clean. Don't ever call anything unclean that I have made clean. And so Peter is sitting up there now scratching his head going, hmm, this is a peculiar dream. What does it mean? I think it's important that it happened three times because sometimes even good folks are hard to, to convince. God's been telling us for eons to love a neighbor that we're hard to love. We've been writing somebody off that God's been saying, don't write them off. I'm working in their life. What the main lesson will be in this story is that for God, wealth, status, power, race, political party, background, education, ideas, ethnicity, ethnicity, culture has nothing to do with who God is redeeming. His church is supposed to be built of a body of brothers and sisters made from all nations, all people, everywhere. It's our heart and our cultural rules that create all the boundaries that make us say, no, God wouldn't work in their life. No, they wouldn't. God has none of those boundaries. The only boundary that God has that I'm aware of is in Christ or not in Christ. And that is it. Three times the vision appears. Three times Peter says, no. Three times the Spirit says, whatever I've called clean, you better call clean. 
And Peter's scratching his head and rubbing his belly and ready for lunch. And like a good Baptist, he's thinking, well, that doesn't make sense to me, but that's okay. We're about to eat. And God's going to make clear to him what's been going on. Here's what's cool. Peter is about to learn with a knock at the door that God's been at work in his life for the last two days and Peter had no idea. And I bet that's true of us too. Like as we're thinking about our ping pong, who are we going to try to connect with for the Lord this week? Who are we going to try to leverage our influence that we can connect them to God? Maybe somebody we walk up to and meet, maybe somebody we've known forever, but who are we going to try to connect with for God's sake? What we might not realize is that God has been working in their life and ours for two days and we're just being prepared for his service. There's a knock at the door, verse uh, 17. While Peter was wondering about the meeting of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs, and do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter's wondering what this vision means. And God says, if you want to know what the vision means, go with these guys. And Peter's going to follow them to Cornelius's house, the Gentile, the centurion, a man Peter thought was unclean. And God's going to show, show Peter that centurion named Cornelius is clean. Give him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only once in my life can I really remember this level of clarity. I remember one time while I was associate pastor, um, phone rang at the church, and I remember hearing it ring in you know all the outer offices. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, "Say yes to that." I didn't know what the phone call was about, but I remember it was as clear as a bell that God said, "Say yes." I didn't know that phone call was for me, but I wasn't surprised a second later when somebody in the office said, "Hey Ben, that's for you." And I picked it up and I pretended to listen to them. And, like, and I asked a few questions as if I was on the fence, right? But in my mind, I knew that I was going to have to say yes. And I even said, well, I'll, I'll, get back to you. I'll get back to you tomorrow on it. But I knew that I was going to have to say yes. And sure enough, I said yes. With that level of clarity, God tells Peter, go with these men. I am doing something in your life that you've got to see and the whole church needs to know about it. Go. Well, long story short, he goes back to Cornelius' house and he preaches the gospel. And I want you to hear the gospel conversation. Now, I'm pushing everybody in our church to make connections and to start gospel conversations. Well, this is the gospel conversation that Peter had with Cornelius' family. Imagine this, when he walks in, there's Cornelius. There's Cornelius' wife, his family, his friends, soldiers from his regiment. When Peter walks in, it's no small crowd, it's a large crowd. And the influence in the room is unimaginable. We have no idea how many families would be impacted by the work that God was doing through Peter on this one day with the gospel. But before it was over, the waters of the baptistry would be stirred and people's lives would be changed forever. Here was a person that feared God but did not know Jesus. And here's the gospel conversation. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize that it is true that God does not show favoritism. Did you hear that? I now realize it is true that God does not show favoritism. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter your last name. If you've called on Jesus Christ for salvation, if you've given him your life, you're adopted into God's family. 
If you've rejected him, then it doesn't matter how high your status is or how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter how much we love you in the community. You're far from God. God shows no favoritism. A man like Cornelius was every bit as loved by God as a man like Peter. But he needed the gospel every bit as much. And I don't know how you feel. Maybe you've been through a tough week. Or maybe you have a low opinion of yourself. But I want you to hear it. God loves you every bit as much as he loves every Sunday school teacher in this church. You are exactly the same in the eyes of God as your pastor standing in front of you this morning. You're as powerful a witness. You're as well loved and adopted into his family. You're as gifted in his spirit. And you're as called to serve. And I just want to encourage you, whoever you are, be willing to serve. God shows no favoritism. Verse 35, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee. That after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as a judge over the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the core of the gospel conversation that Peter was preaching. And the Holy Spirit cut him off. Peter never got to offer an invitation to his little sermon. Because in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just like we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with him a few days. And Peter begins a small group discipleship project that would change the world. And who knows, you might do the same thing. You might make a connection this week, sowing a seed, dropping a ping pong ball that leads to lives change. And you might be in the middle of a small group Bible study next week for early discipleship where you're telling somebody how to follow Jesus. Now I want you to skip over and I want you to look with me in verse 15 of chapter 11. Peter immediately has to tell the whole church about this and this is what happens. Peter said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. 
And they praised God, saying, So then, even the Gentiles, God has granted to them repentance that leads to life. This is a really hard lesson for Peter. We find in chapter 11, verse 3, that it was hard for Peter to even go into the Gentiles' house because all of his life he'd been taught to stay out of that space. It was unclean. But God may send you to places that would surprise you this week. And I'm telling that you have permission to go. I'm telling you, run to the lostness. Go into your neighbor's homes. Go to classrooms. Go to coffee shops. Go to ball fields. I'm asking you to do whatever it takes to extend the gospel ministry of Jesus. I want to ask you to be able to share your story like Peter shared his. We are witnesses of what we saw with Jesus. We ate and drank with him after the resurrection. Be able to tell your story. Share with somebody what God has done in your life. Tell them how to ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. But as we wrap up this sermon, this time in God's Word, I just want to ask you, what are you supposed to do this Sunday morning? Maybe you are Cornelius today. You love God, you have a fear of God, you're generous, you're kind to people, you pray. The only thing missing for you is that you have never called on salvation in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today, you've heard the message of Christ, you know that He wants you. Do not let your pride or any other thing stand in the way. Give your life to Jesus Christ and He'll give it back to you. Redeemed. Adopted into His family. Give Him your mess and let Him send you out with His message. So maybe you're Cornelius today and you are lost and you need to hear. You need to ask Jesus Christ for salvation. Don't wait. Do that right now today. There's no magic formula. You don't need me. Pray right where you are. Make a decision like Abigail did that you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ today and call on his name in a prayer. Ask him for salvation and let's celebrate baptism with you. Come down front and tell me about that. I'd love to know that you're making that decision today. But second, probably most of us in the church are Peter today, right? Are you Peter? Are you a, 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 a good person, maybe even a super apostle? But you're still growing in Jesus. There's something that God's trying to accomplish in your life that you've still got to learn. You don't want to be in a rut. You don't want to die and face Jesus after a two-decade two rut. You want to go out in glory. You want to be serving him faithfully the day he calls your name. And you're saying, Ben, I'll be honest with you, I I guess I kind of am Peter. There's something that God wants me to do that I've been holding off on and I've been slow to convince and I'm ready to grow. Or maybe it's somebody. Maybe the lesson of this story for you is where, where God told Peter, don't you call anybody unclean that I've called clean? It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if they're struggling or if they're just absolutely killing it. It doesn't matter if they're the quarterback or if they've never seen him play in time. You recognize that God does not show favoritism. Every person you see this week matters to him. This whole ping pong ball business has been good to me. I was at Walmart running the family errands foolishly on a Saturday. And as I walked through Walmart and saw all those faces, I kept thinking to myself, I'm fishing. I'm fishing. Look at all these people. God, who is it? God, are they out? God, is there anybody here for me today? It'll change your life. For Peter, there was a time in his life when he walked around and he was only looking at Jewish faces. But after Cornelius, the whole church changed its radar. And we realized that God's gospel is for every class and every nation, for every color 
and every wallet, for every religion and every political party. We realize that King Jesus died to rule the world. And we want people adopted into his family. And I want to invite us to be a church that believes that. Probably you're like me and Peter. You need to grow. So I'm asking you today as a church, would you grow? Can you imagine what we'd be like as a church if everybody in this sanctuary today would start to say yes to the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Father, it's been our honor to be in your house, to study your scripture, to sing, to commission a mission team. Lord, our joy to intercede for our veterans, show our love to their families. But today, Lord, I ask that you cut through everything and do the business that your Holy Spirit will do in our hearts. If there's a brother or sister lost in here today, I pray just as you did with Cornelius, that in the gospel of Jesus, you'd forgive their sins and save them and put them on your mission, adopt them into your family. And Father, for the dozens of us who are like Peter, who need three visions and a knock at the door and a command from the Spirit to go, I pray, God, that you would change our hearts, that you would open us to a freshness of our faith. God, that we would get on a journey with you again and discover what you have for us. I pray you transform the pine belt, Lord, through our obedience as we see families impacted forever by your grace and your love. I ask you, Lord, that you'd speak to us. And if there's anything you want us to learn today, that you'd tell us, that you'd show us and change us. I ask your blessing on my brothers and sisters, that we'd have the courage to respond to you as you tell us to. In Jesus' name.